Let's pray together. Say, Lord Jesus, I ask you to speak to my life, that you'd minister to my heart. May your word be revealed to me today in a way that I can understand it, so that I can speak it, so that I can do it, and so it will change my life. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're continuing with our series, The Art of War. And um, the sermon today is entitled, What Did the Church Originally Look Like? Now people have all sorts of views of what the church is supposed to look like. And many people, when they see the church, they look at a building. Maybe they look at a steeple. They look at a high roof with a cross on top of it. And um, many people's picture of church is the Pope. You know, a guy who lives in Italy, in Rome, and um, he wears this white stuff all the time with a white cap, and because he's wearing this white stuff and a white cap, he's holy. Or maybe they see a bishop or a priest walking through, and then they swing in incense like this, and as they swing in incense, they're chanting some stuff. Often it's in Latin, you don't even know what they're saying. Or maybe, maybe they, they, they're going to a church where the, the guy's busy chanting in Greek, and... Um, you don't know what the guy's saying. Or another view that people have is of people sitting in a building with a priest doing all of this stuff, getting totally bored in the pews. And for some people, especially those in the media, the church is a dying relic of the past. Now I want to ask you, as you're sitting here today, What is your view on the church? And hopefully the last two weeks as we've been looking from Romans chapter 12 verse 4 to 8, your view of the church has changed a little bit. But what is your view of the church? The thing I want you to understand is that most of the views that most people have of what the church is today is wrong. The church is defined in Romans 12 verse 4 to 8 and just as each of us is one body with many members, and these members are not, do not all have the same function, so in Christ, though many, we form one body. Each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then encourage. If it is to, to give, then give cheerfully. And just, sorry, give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Now, we also read that Peter said that the church is made up of living stones. And who are the living stones? They're people like us. Now, I want you to think about the original Greek word for church is ecclesia. And today, in looking at what the church is supposed to look like, 
We've got to understand words. We've got to go back to the Bible. And when the Bible uses the word church, and the original word in the ancient Greek translations of the New Testament for church was ecclesia, then we have to start sitting down and understanding what does that word mean and why did Jesus choose to use that word when he described the church. So the word ecclesia, and if you look at the American Heritage Dictionary, it speaks about it as a noun. Now listen to this. The political assembly of citizens of an ancient Greek state. So listen to that again. The political assembly of citizens of an ancient Greek state. The, the, the definition for ecclesia can also be a church or congregation. And also the collective body of Christian believers regarded as constituting a universal church. So those are the definitions. It's a political body. Political means they make decisions and the decisions affect the law. And that affects who a society is. A collective body of Christian believers. So in other words, a collective means you can't be separate. And so the first thing about the church and that word ecclesia, the church is a congregation of people. In Psalm 22, verse 22, the psalmist says, I will declare your name to my brethren in the midst of the assembly. I will praise you. Now, I want you to think about that there. That's what the psalmist says. In the midst of the assembly, in the midst of the gathering, I will praise you. This is why it's important when you come to church, make sure that you're involved when you're singing in the praise and the worship. Because in the midst of your assembly, I will praise you. When we are praising together in the midst of the assembly, something powerful happens. Something happens that doesn't happen when we're on our own. But I want you also to listen to this. The congregation has two aspects. The first is that there's the aspect of the body of Christ across the world congregating around the ideas of the gospel. And what are the ideas of the gospel? The ideas of the gospel are that Jesus is the only begotten Son of Almighty God. That He died, He was resurrected, and He ascended into, into heaven, and He sent His Holy Spirit to the church. And then we, we get the good news that any people or any person who believes in Jesus, who believes in what He did on the cross, any person who puts their faith in Jesus, they have eternal life. And that is known as the gospel. And the church gives the gospel out free to the world. Even though sometimes there are many in the world who do not want it, the church gives it out for free. That, that's the first aspect. It's uh, the church across the globe. The fact that today there are, there are Christians gathering all over the world like this. And then there's the local congregation. And the local congregation is part of that broad church but the local congregation is that part of the church where, where we know and are known. Where we know people and people know us. The local church is the place where we individually do the Bible. Now I just want to talk to you a little bit about the Ecclesia in Greece, the political institution. I want to tell you a little bit about it because... Jesus chose the word church for a reason. And if you look at the Ecclesia, 
It was an ancient assembly of citizens in a city-state. So, for example, the state would be a city, and they would call an ecclesia, and the citizens would come together, and they would meet. Now, when the ecclesia met, it was formed with every single male citizen who was 18 years and older would come to the ecclesia. Every one of them. They didn't have to come, but they were all invited. And then what would happen was that uh, they would come together. There was another body, a council, who, who also was chosen, and, and they, would, they would randomly go through, and, and they, would, they would use a system of, of casting lots. And um, whoever, you know, got the lot, they, they, they would be part of the council. In other words, it was just a random thing. In, in, to try and make sure that they had representation from across the population. And this council would decide what was on the agenda of the Ecclesia. And obviously people could go to the council and they could get them to put things on, on, the, on the agenda. Now if you listen to this, the Ecclesia was a body of male citizens 18 years of age and, or over that had the final control over policy, including the right to hear appeals in the public court, to take part in the elect- election of archons, which are chief magistrates, and confer special privileges on individuals. In terms of the, the motions that were placed before the Ecclesia, if the motion passed, in other words, If the majority of those who were in the council voted for the motion, the motion became law. I want you to think about why Jesus would use that word to describe the church. And I want to suggest to you today that Jesus chose that word to to, to, to define church. Because when the church comes together, we have the blood of Jesus. Okay? We have the righteousness of Christ being on our side. We have the Holy Spirit. We have the things that we've spoken about that are our weapons of warfare, which is the blood of Jesus, which is the Holy Spirit, which is the Bible, and it is the church. Those are our weapons. Now, why did Jesus, when he spoke about the church, choose the name of a political body to describe what is happening in the church. And I want to ask you, how many of you have said that politics and church do not mix? If you've ever said that, please go wash your mouth out with soap. It's as bad as you swore. Because the very name of the organization for which we're named after was a political body. The church is a political institution, but we're not operating in natural politics. We're not operating in the politics of this world. We're operating in supernatural politics. We're operating in divine politics. And we're supposed to be coming together because you cannot agree if you're not coming together. You cannot agree if you do not know one another. This is why anyone who tells you that you can be sitting in an online service is talking hogwash. They have no clue of what Jesus set up when they set the church. Because when we come together, we start knowing one another. When we start knowing one another, we can start trusting one another. And when we trust one another, then we can get to the place 
whereby we start agreeing, and when we agree and we pray together, Jesus said, where two or more are gathered in my name, I will be there. And then he said, whatever you bind on the earth will be bound in the heaven. Whatever you loose on the earth will be loose in the heaven. So in other words, when we come together and we agree, then spiritual legislation is being passed. Now I want you to think about this thing. Where does all the power that the government holds in South Africa come from in the law? If you, if you go and have a look at the police, you go and have a look at the hospitals, the Department of Home Affairs, you go and look at every facet of government. All of them go back to a certain group of people and those certain group of people, even the judges in the courts, they get their power from another group of people. And if you go and study the, the law of South Africa, all of the power of government comes from one institution. And that one institution is the parliament. The parliament, which is a, it, it is housed in a building in Cape Town, which burnt down earlier this year. And so at the moment it's meeting in the city hall in Cape Town. But in the parliament, there are 400 members. 400 people. And those 400 people control everything that happens in the whole country. You want to know where South Africa's democracy really happens? It's there. So how do we put those members into parliament? Well, we all go, and those of us who've got IDs and have registered to vote, we go and we vote, and we vote for a party, and the same percentage of those of us that vote for the party, that's how many representatives in terms of percentage terms of the 400 members that party gets in parliament. Now, what does that parliament do? They are the center of all power. Because they have the sole power to make laws in South Africa. Every law that is in South Africa gets made by the members of parliament. If you look at the president, the president gets their power from the parliament. The MPs come together, they form what's called an elect electoral council, and they vote. They vote for one of the people who is going to be the president of South Africa. So the president gets his power from parliament. The president in turn selects the judges. And the judges run the courts. So the, the source of the power is the president, but the president gets the right to select the judge from the parliament so it all goes back to the parliament. The parliament rules through a cabinet and the, and the president. The president and his cabinet, and, and, and by the way, the cabinet ministers are selected by the president. So the cabinet ministers get their power from the president, the president who gets it from the parliament. So even the cabinet ministers, their power comes from the parliament. And between the president and the cabinet ministers, they run every part of the state, every part of the government, whether it's the army, the police, the health services, whichever part of government you can think of, all of them are run by the president and by his cabinet ministers. Now, look at the parliament. The parliament has the power to remove any one of those cabinet ministers. The parliament has the power to remove the, the president. The parliament has the power to move the national uh, public prosecutor. 
you know, the National Public Prosecuting Authority, they have the power to remove them. They have the power to remove the, the National Public Protector. And they're, they're busy going through an impeachment inquiry right now where the National Public Protector might be removed. And they have the power to remove any judge. The Parliament. The only people that had any power to rein the government in when the president locked us down in 2020 was the parliament. No one else in all of South Africa has the power to stop the president. So all the power of the law, all the power that the law gives to people rests on 400 members of parliament and in parliament the majority rules. And the only thing that governs the parliament is a constitution. But then the parliament can affect who's a judge. So I'm not sure how much they're governed by the constitution, but according to law, they're supposed to be. Now, when you come to church, when you come to cell group, you're coming to a parliament. And I want to tell you the reason why the church is at fault for the state of South Africa today is because we are the parliament. And at the end of the day, the president locked the country down. Many people are unhappy with the fact that the president locked the country down. But the, the only people who had the power to change that was the parliament and they didn't do anything about it. So now if you look at the state of South Africa... South Africa is in the state that it is, is in because the parliament in the spiritual realm, the church, isn't doing anything about the situation. So I want you to think about the church now. And the reason I'm telling you this is because you have to understand what exactly you're a part of when you're a part of the church. And we're going to look at the Bible because the Bible actually confirms this. In the church... Every member in the church is elected by God. In parliament, they are elected by the people. In church, you are elected by God. Now, when God elects us to the church, to the parliament, we are commissioned by God. And we are commissioned by God to enact legislation in the spiritual realm. We are commissioned by God to hold political leaders and judges accountable. We are commissioned by God to legislate law in the spiritual realm because the law in the natural realm follows the spiritual realm. Where do you think all of our laws are coming from? The church isn't enacting legislation because we, we don't gather, we don't get of the same mind, we don't read the Bible enough, so we don't have the mind of Christ, so we disagree, and then that leaves a vacuum, and who do you think comes and takes the vacuum? The enemy and all of his demons. They then enact the legislation. If we don't enact legislation, the devil's in control. And the church, because of its power in the spiritual realm, actually has the power to remove any worldly authority when we all agree. And when we're big enough. And when there's enough of a revival. I want to tell you that until recently... A person could not be elected to the presidency of the United States if they weren't seen going to church. That's how powerful the church was in America. So all the power of the spiritual realm rests in those who are in Christ.
And when unity rules in the church, when we all follow in the Bible, when we all believe the Bible, the church rules. The only thing that governs the church, like the, 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 the parliament is, is governed by the constitution only, the only thing that governs the church is the Bible, which is the word of God, which is Jesus, who is our king. Anything else that has authority in your life is illegitimate. Whatever media you're listening to, whatever education you get, whatever, anything that you're listening to, that is not the Bible, is illegitimate. And it only means something in your life, and it's only going to affect your life if you allow it. So, what I want to say to you is this. Please do not underestimate the power of the church. So now I want to ask this question. Looking at this, and, and when you go and you study the church in the Bible, I mean... You look at what those guys went through in the, in the book of Acts. You look at the threats. You look at everything people try to do to them. Man, the authorities could not even kill the members of the church unless, basically, it's almost like unless the church was okay with it. I mean, when they killed Stephen, when I read the account of Stephen, it's almost like he was okay with it. When they weren't okay with it, I mean, they, they could get snakes to bite, you know, the devil and his demons, they could get snakes to bite the Apostle Paul on his neck. Everyone's waiting for him to die, and he carries on cooking supper. So, why is the church on our continent not changing the world around us? Because on the African continent, not just in South Africa, the biggest organization there is by far is the church. Well, we have to understand something. And what we have to understand is this. The church that gets back to its roots is powerful. The church in the book of Acts was so powerful that it took that church, which started a revival just 300 years to take over the Roman Empire with not a sword being drawn, with not a shot being fired, with not an army being mobilized. They took over that empire. How? There was a revival. There was the power of God. And they won the, the hearts and the minds of the people. So what did the church in the book of Acts look like? In Acts chapter 4 verse 32 to 37. All the believers were one in heart and mind. Okay, so there we have a start. And, and right there we know now there's a problem. We know that... We're not one in heart and mind. And then, as I've said recently, we like to make YouTube videos blaming everyone else and telling the church what the church should do. Maybe we should just let the Bible tell us what we as a church should do because we're all accountable for this. Now, here's the question. What does it mean to be of one heart and one mind? Many times, Christians talk about this meaning that we have the same theology. You know that what we believe about baptism, what we believe about tongues, what we believe about whatever is the same. And I want to tell you that is a very worldly view of what it means to be of one heart and one mind. And, and luckily for us, we don't have to go far to find out what does the Bible mean when it says that they were all in one heart and one mind. Yeah, I want you to look at this, this next sentence. No one claimed 
that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. Tell the person next to you, that's hectic. That's not us. So don't come to me with theology. Don't come to me with any ology. The only ology you can come to me with is foodology. What do we do with our food? What do we do with our houses? What do we do with our money? What do we do with our time? No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own. But they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there were no needy persons among them. Okay, all of you look at me. There were no needy persons among them. Tell person next to you, that's hectic. We don't see that on our continent. Okay, then it says... From time to time, those who owned lands or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold the field he owned and bought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. I want you to think about they were one heart. What does it mean if a couple is one heart? It means they're together. It means they believe the same thing. They, they had one mind. They had the mind of Christ. Here's the test. They, the, 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 the test that must be passed for us to say we're of one heart and one mind. They never claimed their possessions as their own. By the way, I want you to look at me. They didn't come into church either and claim other people's possessions as their own. Say, so yes, you must, you must sell your land and you must give me money. That's not what happened. Even the poor people didn't claim their possessions as their own. The rich people didn't claim. No one claimed their possessions as their own. Now listen to this. They shared everything. This is a huge challenge. Because today that would mean my car, my house, my whatever. They were selfless. They were not selfish. We live in a selfish world. If we want to see the power of God fall, then we've got to lose our selfishness. We've got to become selfless. And you can't become selfless if you do not believe and trust that God is your provider. To be selfless it's impossible in my view if you do not believe that God is your provider and that He's going to pr- pr- provide whatever you need to do what He's called you to do. They did not fight for the land. As we see in our country, the land, the land, and everyone's fighting. Some people are fighting like this, and some people are fighting like this, and some people are fighting like this. But we're fighting and we're willing to kill for it. They did not fight for the land. They sold the land and they came and they placed the money at the apostles' feet. Imagine if some of you went and sold your land and you come in with a wad of cash and you come place it at my feet. Imagine what the media is going to say. 
Imagine the front page of the newspapers. Imagine on ENCA website, on, on the TV channel. Imagine on, on News24's website. Imagine what they're going to say. In fact, I'm sure CNN will be here and every, end under this, every network under the sun. The apostle also didn't go and buy the latest chariot. You know, like the apostle goes and buys an airplane now because the apostle has to fly quick. So the apostles are not like some modern, modern day apostles. So when the church does this, let me tell you what happens. When the church is like that church in Acts chapter 4, the empires of the world will fall before the church. The gods of the world will fall before the church. They will fall before the kingdom of God, where the church's power is their source, not Eskim. Load shedding is not possible in the kingdom. The source of, of the power of the church is the name of Christ. I want you to listen to this, Ephesians 3, verse 7 to 13. I became a servant of the gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Although I am less than the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which ages past had kept hidden from God, who created all things. His intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms, according to His eternal purpose that He accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In Him, and through faith in Him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence, and I ask you therefore not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are for your glory. So what Paul is saying, the devil... The archangel Michael, Gabriel, all the angels, all the demons, they are watching you to see the wisdom of God and to see what Jesus is doing on the earth. The whole of the universe is watching you. What does it mean that the church is the body of Jesus? What it means is He's our head. And from here down it's us. But for the, the head to be able to do what the head wants to do, the body's got to listen, and Jesus got a problem because we're his body, he's our head, but we're sometimes not listening. Imagine if, you, if your head tells your, your legs, I want to walk there. And your body says, ah, ha, no ways. I want to walk there. Only... The only thing you need to understand is this. Jesus only works through his church today. The intent of God was from that the creation of the universe, from the fall of man, that God's wisdom was a, ministry, was a mystery to all of creation. The wisdom of God was, became unknown. Not even the angels know the mystery of God. And Creation includes the politicians. Creation includes the worldly kings. Creation includes the angels, the demons. The creation even includes Lucifer himself. And God reveals his wisdom through the church. I want you to think about the awesome power we have through the Lord. From the Lord. 
The church generation that gets us will govern. Oh, 